The biggest thing that I would recommend to any new investors, especially, is don't get emotional. The second you get emotional, it's game over. I mean, you, we see it all the time. People make critical errors when they're emotional. You know, if it's uh, just because you think it's a deal and you're trying to force it and make it work, doesn't mean it is always a deal. And sometimes it's just for the better to walk away. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Show. We are uh, we're back with a really, really cool episode, one that people have been asking for for a long time, so I hope you guys get a lot out of it. If you haven't already, like the show, uh, subscribe. Share us with all your friends. Most important thing you guys could do is, is write us a really cool review. That really, really helps us out, helps us stand out, helps us get more uh, listeners, helps us be able to help more people. And um, anyway, I was just laughing with our guest because I just started this thing two times because for whatever reason, I couldn't get the name of the show out of my mouth. Anyway, welcome to the show, Mike Pulley, friend of mine. People call him the renovation aficionado. I think you guys are going to, you know, kind of start to figure out why. But Mike's done over 179 high-end rehabs. So we've talked to some people on the show who've, who've rehabbed, but none that have done it quite like Mike has. And because of the way that he's done it, and then the way that he started to do this for himself... We're going to talk about a subject today that I think is going to interest. I know it's going to interest everybody because you guys have been asking for it, and that is the BRRRRRR method, the Brr method. Which, Mike, what's that stand for, man? Tell everybody what that stands for. Uh, so, it stands for buy, renovate, um, rent, refinance, and repeat. That's a lot of R's. It is a lot That's of R's. A lot of R's. I, and I have to pause <laughs> myself almost every time and be like, okay, what's the next one? What's the next one? So, and each one obviously uh, perpetuates the next one, which is just as valuable. So, you used to do this not for you know the Burr method, but you you kind of got into the. I mean, Mike, you told me you've been in this. You've been in real estate basically your entire life, right? Your dad was in real estate. He worked with with uh, investors. Um, walk us through a little bit. How, how did you get into the business and then kind of where did it lead? So yeah, I got in. I, I mean, I'm always going to say I got in when I was five years old. My dad was, still is a real estate broker and all he's ever dealt with was investors. And so growing up with him, I was able to see a lot of the homes that were in really bad shape and absolutely turn them into something beautiful. So I fell in love with a lot of what the investors were doing in the St. Louis market. We have gotcha. a lot of beautiful historical homes in St. Louis. Actually, this uh, backdrop here in my video is one of the houses that we did in 2015. Um, but just absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, did that all through high school, went on a mission for my church, came back, and I was like, ooh, I love helping people. This is great. So I went to college for nonprofit administration. While in college, I was doing some side gigs, some construction, um, grew up around family doing construction. So I had some of the basicness, you know, basic skills that I learned from them. And uh, Went to school for nonprofit administration and got into the professional world for two years and found out it is exactly that, nonprofit. And uh, <laughs> it was um, 2006, uh, I decided, hey, why don't we try our, our hand part-time at this? And so we did We did really well on our first fix and flip. Um, we made 41000 and change on our first fix and flip. It took me three months. And at the time, I was making $32,000 in a leadership role in a nonprofit. And 
Yeah. It's just like, man, if I worked on that house full time, I would have been done in a month instead of three months. And I just made as much as I made. I made more than I made in an entire year. And so uh, put in a month's notice and two hours before I finished my last day, I, I got fired. So I joke about it, but I'm actually really grateful for that because that was in 2007 when I quit and um, started going into real estate investing. And, you know, had that experience not happened, I probably, when times got tough for us in 2010, I probably would have just used the nonprofit as the fallback and just gone back right. into the nonprofit world. So them firing me was actually a blessing because my wife's like, you're never going back to nonprofit. And I, I agreed with her. You know, I was just, I was not going to go back over, over weird, whatever technicalities that they had. And, and, uh, but no, so I got into that and then 2008 obviously happened and market made a massive shift. And my dad came to me and, you know, he saw us, you know, with our fix and flips where they were on the market longer and we were taking huge discounts and, you know, one project I remember clearly we were supposed to make 70 grand and we walked away with five grand and you know, the homeowners after we just put in new granite wanted us to rip out the granite we just put in and put in the kind that they wanted. And so, you know, it really got my head spinning like, okay, what if we do this for homeowners before they move in? Um, so for those of you who've seen the fixer upper, the chip and Joanna Gaines show, uh, in 2008, we actually started it, which is four years before they even came up with the concept and five years before they even came up with the show. And so, you know, we were doing, we joke that we were doing it before it was even cool. I've talked to you a little bit about it. It's, it's, uh, it was always cool. Uh, nobody, yeah. just, nobody knew about it, uh, it but it's really cool. Th I mean, think about this. So for everybody out there, you're all familiar with rehabbing properties, right? You buy the property, you fix it up, you put it out on the market, you know, maybe you list it with a realtor or whatever, and then you, you get the difference. Okay. But what Mike is talking about here is really cool because he was going out and find, finding the buyer first for the property. And then it was kind of like you were doing an old construction. Instead of like new construction, you were doing old constructions. You were taking these really cool old houses and saying, hey, guys, you can pick whatever you want to have happen in this property. Um, in addition to that, the, the coolest part of this is not only did they get to um, pick everything in the property, not only did they get to... Um, you know, make this house their own, but they're walking into it with, with like wild equity, right? Yeah. I mean, with, with it, it, it was like an average of 17% equity for the homeowners that were moving in. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's crazy. That's, that's crazy mad. though. Cause, cause here's, here's the way it works. Usually Mike, right? People, if you're a rehabber, you're trying to maximize your profits on the outside, right? So you put in all of this and you're the one who's taking all the risk or you go buy the property, you put all the money into this property and your exit, you're supposed to get a really big fat exit because you've taken all of this risk, right? Big risk, big reward. And you flip the script, still were able to make really, really good money and at the same time deliver to the client an amazing amount of equity. That's an amazing amount of equity for a house that's basically new and gorgeous to boot right it wasn't that case on everything you know some would max out the the value as well you know with fha they would let them go up to 105 percent of the after repair value but you know on average when we broke it down we had you know we had clients that were getting and i think the best we ever had was a client had thirty two thousand dollars or 32 percent in equity you know so i mean that's that's massive and so 
So yeah, so we, in, you know, we've since shifted ourselves. We quit doing the fixer upper model for clients. And then we started doing the Burr method last year, buying our own rentals. And that really dovetailed in because my daughter, who was 12 at the time, wanted to buy her first rental. And so last year, last March at the age of 12, she got her first rental. And so, you know, we really wanted to focus on building our own portfolio and everything. Walk us through that. It's really cool, by the way. Everybody else is out there going, wait, wait, wait. Your 12-year-old has a rental property. Did she burr it? Did she burr it? More like burn it. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just found out on Monday that uh, the kitchen caught on fire because the tenant was um, uh, deep frying some stuff and it caught on fire. Lovely. We're waiting for uh, one of those restoration companies to give us a quote on what it would take, and then we'll get our crew in there to fix it. And you know that way we can get the optimal amount of money to take care of it. But in her case, she bought it. It's a twenty thousand dollar little bungalow, and we got it. Uh, we got it owner financed at eight percent amortized for ten years, eight uh, percent interest amortized for ten years. And so, what was great was she actually helped negotiate it, which was awesome. And I think that's really why we got that financing was because mm -hmm. of her. If it was just me, he probably would have laughed me out of the room. Like, oh, you want that for that? No. He, he, you know, he obviously wanted to sell it. So, yeah, it was really cool her being able to do that and have that for part of her, you know, retirement plan, if you will. It also pays for her right now. Like our girls, uh, they, you know, at the beginning of the summer, they're like, what are we going to do this summer? And there's a friend of ours that has horseback riding camp and they're like, we want to go do this. I'm like, well, we didn't put that in our budget, but Hey, you girls have money. You can go, you know, for working in the business and having your rental. Why don't you pay for your own horse horseback? Right riding? on. So it was really cool for them to be able to do that. Have that be a resource for my daughter for now and in the future. That's really, really cool. Walk us through the Burr method because we've had several people who are like, hey, man, you should do a show on the Burr method. Walk us through how this thing works, man. So there's a few different ways. Um, I mean, they, just like anything in real estate, you can be creative on your acquisitions, right? So, you know, there's, there's people who have capital who can do the Burr method very quickly. There's people who don't have capital. You know, the, the misconception is everybody thinks that they have to have money to do a real estate deal. I just proved to you that my, my daughter, who's now 14, didn't have any money. In fact, she got a credit back at closing. So she didn't even put any money into that house that she bought. So the Burr method is, you know, it's buying, right? So, I mean, you make your money on the buy, no matter what you do, you make your money on the buy. Everybody, you know, too many times I see new investors and in some case, even seasoned investors, they're like, oh, well, you know, with housing stock as limited as it is, as it is right now, you know, people are just desperate to get something. And so, you know, you make your money on the buy, meaning you can't overpay for a house because so many people get the misconception of you can make up for it on the rehab or, you know, maybe you never happen or something like that. And it never happens. I mean, never happens. You've done as many renovation projects as we've done. You know, I joke sometimes we feel like a rookie because there are projects that just, man, you just think you accounted for everything and just something whacks you. And so you can't, you can't make your money up on that on the rehab. You have to make it no. up when you first buy it. So that's the first one. You know, the renovations, you have to be on point. You have to be able to control that budget. Ron, I think you've seen like the budgets that we produce. They're line by line, room by room, piece by piece, man hours, yep. whatnot. And the reason we do that is there's no gray areas. Um, the times we got in trouble is when we let the GCs or the subs bid the projects out and not utilize our bidding format because their bid is has a lot of ambiguity ambiguity in it and it allows for too much of a flex one way or the other 
and you know they could have completely finished the job and been way under budget and then they keep the spread or now they're way over budget and they're hitting you up for money and so yep you know having that control you know so there's the buy there's the rehab then the rent right and so the biggest thing i think a lot of people face is this one is the rent and and i say that not because of what the market can bear but i say more of who do you have managing your properties? You know, we made that mistake last year. We had a property manager who was really great in the past. And now we've just kind of been, he kind of didn't take, didn't take our property seriously last year. And so, you know, we had a lot of properties. We got down to like 60% occupancy and that just isn't cool. You know? And I, you know, and I'm looking at the statements. I'm like, what the heck is this charge for? And what is this? And I call him up and he's like, well, let's meet up and talk about it. And we go through and I'm like, this just isn't making sense. And so we brought all of the rental in-house, uh, managing in-house at the beginning of this year. And man, it's been amazing. Um, actually I hired my dad to go ahead and do our property management stuff. And we hired a, a guy to come and build out systems and everything for us. So everything for us is 100% automated right now. My dad might work, might work 10 hours a month on our rentals. And that's, you know, that's assuming that's maintenance requests, things like that. And we're paying them by the hour versus percentage. So yeah, so man, I mean, management is, is so key. We've done at least a couple of shows on it and man, it can, it can make or break a rental portfolio. If you don't have good management, it can destroy you. And if you have really good management, it can, man, it can make a hero out of some, you know, turds that you've got in your portfolio <laughs> if oh, you've yeah. got good management. Great management is the key to literally any anything rental. No no yeah. question about it. And, um, and that's the one that too many people overlook, you know, or they're they're like, I can handle it myself too. And that's the thing is like, you know, people who want to do the Burr method, you know, a lot of people that talk about doing the Burr method, they're trying to get out of the average grind nine to five. And I think what happens is they one of two things happen. They either want to do everything themselves or they want to farm it out too fast or they want to just farm it out and be like, I don't want to see anything. I don't want to hear anything. I just, just make it work. And so, you know, there's that careful balance of both, you know, you know right. if you only have one rental property, yeah, you could probably manage that yourself. I would say once you get about to four or more, that's when I would say, look at hiring somebody to do it and, you know, obviously do some due diligence we have a whole questionnaire now that we've created. Obviously, it doesn't matter for us because now we're managing it in-house. We have a 12-step program for people who think they should manage their own properties. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, the first the first step is admitting that you have a problem, um, <laughs> especially from out of state. Like, you think you're going to manage your property by yourself from out of state. You're, you, you literally have a problem you need right. significant help for. Right. Um, but yes, to your point, Mike, even if you have a management company, We've said this in the past. You you have to manage right. the management company. You have to be. You have to look at the numbers every month, like you were saying. You ha you have to be you know really clued into what's going on. So a that you don't get taken advantage of, but b so that you can you can get on the phone and tell them you know hey listen I'm I'm willing to negotiate on this deal. I'm willing to do whatever, but we got to get at least you know we we can't have a vacancy sitting here. You know, what, right. what's our timelines on renovations? What's our time, you know, all that stuff. You got to be on top of all of it. Um, so yeah, if you can't be bothered with that, you probably shouldn't own real estate at all. Right. So, so yeah. And I agree with that 100% just cause we've been impacted by it. So, 
So yeah, let's jump into the next one, the next phase. So we've got the buy, we've got the renovate, we've got the rent. Now we've got the refinance. So refinancing is key as well. And again, this comes back to when you bought it and when you renovated it, right? And actually when you rented it, you know, all those three things kind of goes, plays into the refinance. Because if you don't have any of those three things done properly, your refinance is going to be a bear to do. You know, one of the things that I see happen is people are like, okay, I'm ready to refinance. And then they leave their job. But now the rentals is their main source of income, but maybe they're at below 90% occupancy. Well, if they're below 90% occupancy for a portfolio of say five or 10 homes, you know, bank's not going to touch you because that's your main source of income. And now you're considered high risk for them. And so those are some of the things like when yep. it comes to the refinance and sometimes too, people are like, oh, well, I'm going to get all this cash out on my refinance. Not really. Some banks are going to do that. If the equity is there, great. If it's not, you're kind of stuck, especially if you put a chunk of your own money into this house and now you can't refinance it or they only give you a portion of it back. So is it important, Mike, when you're doing this buy, renovate, well, the buy and the renovate, is it important for the bank on the refinance that you keep pretty good records of your renovation so that you have yeah. proof of work that you've done? It is. And the other side of it too is um, in having dealt with as many renovation projects as we have, it is incredibly important. Every state has different lien laws, but it is incredibly important for you as the homeowner or as the owner of that rental property to make sure that you're collecting lien waivers from any contractor um, that's done. Because when it comes to refinance, you could get totally blindsided, right? Because that you could have a lien on on your property that you don't even know about. In Missouri, they're they they're required to notify us that they're putting a lien on the house. But I've heard of stories where people just didn't get the notification, and then they go to refinance, and then there's a five, ten, fifteen. I mean, I've seen as high as a hundred thousand dollar lien on a house from a general contractor. Having those records of your renovations too is going to help you on the refinance because it's going to prove that you increase the value of that property, right? To justify there you go. the amount of money that you're asking out of it. So. So having those records there to justify that, having the lien waivers is going to be incredibly important as well. This is one of those things where we, 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 we talk to people pretty often and they, some people get it in their heads that you know, all the properties that they buy from anybody should be significantly discounted, even though somebody's done all the work. This is the reason that, that people make profit in our business because what you just, what you just discussed and we kind of glazed over on the buy side is that everybody thinks it's so easy to, to do this business. We just talked about the renovation piece and the refinance piece. The refinance piece sounds complicated. The renovation piece, everyone knows is complicated. Right. We glazed over the buy piece, but I mean, walk us through what you have to do to be able to actually buy one of these properties too. So everything that we do, we have a, a formula that we, just a spreadsheet that we built out and we add everything in there from, uh, you know, if it's leased already, we put in when is the, when did the lease come into play? When does it expire? What was the security deposit? What are the utilities that we cover? What are the taxes? What's the insurance? What's the, you know, what's our um, deferred maintenance costs going to be? What's our property management fee going to be? So, I mean, we really cover the whole gamut. And if it doesn't hit a certain cap rate for us, we don't buy it. Now, it doesn't mean it wouldn't fit somebody else's criteria, but for us, it, we just we just don't do it. Um, so, take us take us even before this, because this is, this is analyzation. Before you even analyze the deal, Mike, 
You've got an enormous amount of work to even get a deal that you can analyze. Then you analyze it. Then you've got to do contract. We're going to go need negotiation contract before you can even close on it to do the whole buy side. What comes before the analyzation even? So before the analyzation, I mean, for us, it's, you know, having established relationships with other investors, with realtors, with us having done our fixer upper business model for, you know, 10 years, we were in front of a hundred and, you know, we had 120 different agents that we had worked with. So they are very familiar with us. And, you know, like last night I had a, um, an agent, she brought me a, a 10, 10 unit, um, that is probably like a 12% cap rate. And so at first blush, now obviously we'd have to do our due diligence and whatnot, but you know, the first and foremost is, you know, I mean, letting people know that what we're up to, having a network of people to reach out to knowing what areas we want to focus on knowing what our minimum, you know, return is knowing what we're willing to put into a project. You know, those are all different things that you really have to account for. I, I, you know, I remember when I first started my fixer upper business model, people were like, you know, realtors like, who's your, who's your ideal client? I'm like, everybody, everybody. It's not the case. (laughs) Now I quickly realized not everybody, you know, it's like you can't sell a dream to somebody who can't dream. Uh, So so true. If they can't see the potential, you know, it's, you can't sell the dream to them. If somebody can't see the potential of a burr, if somebody can't see the potential of a fix and flip, no matter what, you can't do anything, you know, and even with that effect, you can't sell a seller on that too, right? A seller is like, oh, come look at my house. It's beautiful, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, okay, great. But, you know, the grandma wallpaper doesn't work anymore. The brass fixtures, the polished brass fixtures don't work anymore. Luan doors and the vinyl floors from the 70s that are, you know, medallion, you know. <laughs> and the green like, shag. The know, green shag like, came back there for a second, well, man, but man. it didn't last long. Yeah, and so, I mean, that's the thing too, is knowing what your kind of st- to say your standards are before you even walk into a house is going to help you be able to determine very quickly even before you get to the due diligence because that's your first due diligence you know it's knowing what your standards are before you walk into a door is going to help you out before you get so far deep into a, a, a deal that's not even a deal and I yeah because thinking, you have to know as you walk through the house you got to know exactly what everything costs in there um and you know, I've, I've seen Mike's sheets. You know I mean, he knows exactly what everything in the whole house costs. And so you can really easily and very finely tuned, um, know what it's going to cost to rehab a property. And even, and even with all of that, you can still get surprised, but most of the time, um, you know, most of the time you're, you're, you're good. You mostly do networking now. Is that what you would suggest to new people who are starting out? They want to do the Burr method. Would you would you That's suggest networking? Or? I mean, when we did our fixer upper business, all the houses we did were from referral. And in fact, the yep. only time I paid for marketing, it actually hurt our business. You know, there's a there's a book called The Seven Levels of Communication, written by Michael Mayer, and you know he it's it's a story type book. You know, he talks it's really him sharing his philosophies of business through one guy's perspective and story of how he gotcha. in 90 days totally reverses business. And, and I, it's something that I used often, but whenever I got a deal, right, whenever I got a client or a deal over here and we had a successful transaction, I would reach out to the person who made that connection to that person. So like, say I had a homeowner, um, Megan, I had this homeowner who 
absolutely loved her home. She moved in, we renovated it. She actually walked in, I want to say with like 20 something percent equity in hers. Nice. So I called the realtor and I said, Hey, hey, thank you so much. This is awesome. Well, who introduced me to the realtor was her daughter. Then I reach and it's called the great retrace. So then I reached back out to her daughter and I said, Hey, thank you for this referral because of this Megan and her family have this awesome house. Well now Danny, my friend, she's now thinking, okay, what other things can I refer to Mike? And then I go to Danny and then I'm like, okay, who referred me to Danny? Who did I meet Danny through? And I was like, Ola. Okay. So I called Ola and I said, Hey, Ola, thank you for inviting us to this party that one night because of that I met Danny because of that we were able to do, you know, go through the whole chain, right, of success. Yep. And then how did I meet Ola? I met her through my friend Lisa. And then how did I meet Lisa? I met, you know, so I just retraced it back. It was something like 12 people that I called. And immediately out of that, I got another lead. And then People I got overlook that so much because you spent two hours worth of time, but you probably saved, I don't know, five or $10,000 worth of marketing, you know, in, in, and you spent two hours doing something you might've even gotten a better deal than you would have through, through marketing. I don't know. Um, but we, we're big on referrals too, man. It's a, it's a huge, huge deal. And when you can go through that food chain or through that family tree of, of referrals, it's really pretty crazy how many people are touched by, by that one referral. It's, it's nuts. So that's yeah, a, and for, anybody, for everybody out there, that is a, that is a serious pro tip right there. I don't know if everybody should have written that down. You should implement that in your business. No matter what your business is, you should implement that tip. That's a really, really cool pro tip. Yeah. And especially for anybody who's new, because you know, a lot of people are new, they don't have a ton of money to throw at a marketing budget. And you know, it's a great way to get things going. Like, Hey, who do I know? And, you know, just post out there. Like I'm looking to buy a house. Who do you know? And then that starts the whole chain. Okay, so we renovated. We're we've worked on the refinance. Now we've we've refinanced. And in the refinance, you're saying most of the time we're not going to get cash out, but we can. But maybe the cash we put into it, we can get out because yeah, if you've got twenty percent equity, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should be able to get the cash back out that you've got into it if you bought it right, right, and if you manage. Yeah, the yeah, right. right. You should be able to get it. Yeah, I mean, I I would say nine times out of ten you would get your money back. And you know, that one is probably a one-off. Maybe it's not rented yet, or maybe it just went vacant. Right. As you're, I mean, we had one in March, we were doing a refinance and legit like our, or no January. It was in January. We we're doing a refinance. It was a three family. Um, one unit was vacant. We were dealing with some issues with the nonprofit. So we were kind of held hostage. The other units were occupied. The second floor tenant, legitimately ghosted us the day before our appraisal like just up and oh. up. and it was a section 8 tenant most of our section 8 tenants when they move out they leave all their crap behind and we have to move it out for them they took everything <laughs> and so the appraiser came in and he's just like i can't give you the value because the because the rental income isn't there so he's like if they were here we could get you this value and we would have actually gotten cash back out of the deal more than what we were into the deal for. So we were able to refinance into a bridge loan, which is great. It got us out of the hard money, but we didn't, you know, we didn't get any cash back. At, you know, we ended up having to come to the table with a thousand bucks versus coming out. Oh of man, that's too bad. That's a pretty serious first world problem right there, <laughs> uh, Mike. I mean, when you have to come to the closing table with a grand, with a hot grand, 
out of pocket. That's, uh, I mean, that's kind of that one out of 10 that might happen. And, you know, you always, I always plan for worst case scenario. I always, I'm very conservative on my, my after repair values. I'm very liberal on my expenses when it comes to my construction project because I don't want to get blindsided, right? And then same with rents. We try and be, you know, middle of the road rents with what we think rent could be. Um, cause I, we know our finishes are up there. So we know we have good finishes. So we know we're not going to get the top of the market. We don't want to pretend that we're going to get the top of the market, but we know we're not going to get the bottom of the market on rents. So those are just the things that we look at that can impact, you know, that refinance as well. Gotcha. Okay. Refinance and then repeat. Yep. So and I it think sounds like, it sounds like it's pretty repeatable deal, right? Because if, if, I'm a, if I'm a guy out there buying rental property, like I normally buy rental property, like most of our clients buy rental property, I'm out there and I'm buying with 20% down, sometimes 25% down, and that money stays in the property. So in the, in the Burr method, one of the things is really attractive if, if you can make it happen, um, if you have the time to actually go do all of this stuff, right? right. The, one of the really attractive things about it is that your money was in it for a little bit or you used hard money but you can get your money back out. So if, if I'm a guy who put 20% down on a property, normally it's in the property in this, I really don't have very much property or very much money in the property at all. If, if any, right. Right. No, you're right. I mean, last year we bought 15 rentals and out of that, we put zero of our own money into them. And we were, we were all in were on average 57 cents on the dollar all in. And so, so this is pretty fun because when I heard about this, when we were talking about this, I'm like, my gosh, like my, I mean, my clients would love to do this. And if, if you're the renovation aficionado, then we should try to make something happen here. And we're, you know, we've put together a, a, a deal where we're, we're going to do a few of these and see how they work for, for the clients. But my gosh, if that works, it's, this is, cr this is actually really crazy because it allows you to buy way more properties with the same amount of money, you know, and, and in previous episodes, we talk about 1031 exchanges do the same thing, right? You buy one property, that one property appreciates over however many years, right? And then, well, then you're able to do a 1031 exchange and without putting any more money in, you're going to buy three properties, right? They multiply over time. What this does is it takes that strategy and completely puts it on steroids. Right. Because you don't even have the money in the first property anymore. Right. Well, maybe for a time, but then you get it back out. Right. And it gets even crazier. Like in St. Louis, we have uh, what's called NSP funds, um, neighborhood pres they're preservation funds. And then we also have historical tax credits. So when you get to like historical projects and things like that, you can even leverage that to go even further. So you know, that's more money in your pocket. That's more equity in your property. That's just more, more opportunities. And, and every market has their own, you know, niches and things like that, that you can learn about. Right. I don't recommend going full out and doing that. I, you know, my second fix and flip I ever did was a historical gut renovation and we were getting tax credits on it. My eyes were definitely bigger than my stomach, but we made it through. <laughs> which is Funny story. Now that you mentioned that, it reminds me that we bought Jesse James Jr.'s house, the son of Jesse James. We bought his house in Kansas City. And we were going to, like, we thought this is the coolest thing ever because, you know, we didn't even know it. We bought this house in a package of two. They were right next to each other. And 
somebody came by and they're like, Hey, you're, you're, you're going to restore this house. And we're like, well, we're, we're innovating it. And they're like, well, you should restore it. Cause it's Jesse James Jr.'s house, you know, and he was a prominent attorney, son of a gangster. And, or, you know, and I'm like, wow, that, that really is kind of cool. And then we looked at how, <laughs> and we looked at what it takes to restore on a historical property. And we we're like, yeah, screw that. We renovated it and sold it. Um, but for right. a minute there, it sounded really cool, Mike. It, the theory sound, can sound really cool. And that's why like in St. Louis, we have an NSP fund where it's like you spend X amount of dollars and you get 35% of it back. You know? It's, yeah, well, it, we didn't have that really cool uh, thing in Kansas City. We had, you get to spend a buttload of money and the house is worth the same amount of money that it was going to be right. worth if you didn't spend a buttload of money on it. So that didn't happen for me. So this Burr thing, man, we, we've put something together that's kind of cool. We don't have a lot of inventory, um, obviously, with it, but it's, it's really, really neat. If you guys are interested in that, you should uh, reach out to my company and see, see if you can uh, qualify to make it happen. But um, this Burr thing is super excited, man. It's super exciting. Yeah, yeah no, it's really cool. I mean, we're excited to be working with you around this stuff because it's, um, you know, I know – uh, we've got two that we're looking at running with you guys right now. And, you know, we've got, uh, we got your, your guys' company connected with a lender that's nationwide that does renovation loans and whatnot too. So there's a lot of opportunity here. In fact, my lender, uh, the lender relationship that we have, he called me yesterday and he's like, Oh, he is. Yeah. Everything. He's like, dude, this is going to be an amazing deal to be working with, with you guys and with us doing this. Well, here because you know, the people that, the people that come through, like our clients, for everybody out there who isn't a client, our clients are people who are, I mean, they're, they're good credit, they have money, you know, they have assets, they're, they're not broke people, they're, they're highly qualified individuals. And, you know, the cool thing about this is, you know, our, our business is, is based on providing everything you could possibly need to own a rental property. We've never actually gotten in, I mean, I've heard of the Burr Method forever, because, I mean, how many of our friends do we know? You know, if you've got a marketing machine and you're rehabbing houses, well, you're going to burr some of them. You're just going to take the ones for yourself that work and you sell the re other ones retail, right? That, that's, that's what everybody does. Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not marketing to get properties. I don't have a rehab crew. I don't do that stuff. And, you know, most of our, most of our people who are providing the, uh, the properties, um, they aren't going to do that either. They're providing these turnkey, you know, rental properties. Well, this is pretty cool because what we've, what we've done is in essence, create a turnkey burr. Now I hate the word turnkey, but that everybody knows what it means, right? So basically we've, we've got the lender, we've got, you know, the, the provider, we, we have, you know, properties that we're getting under value and we're, we're able to put all of that stuff together and provide the same thing that someone could get not, not exactly because there's, you know, you got, you have to make money. Everybody's got to make a little bit of money, but still there's, there's room in these things for people to refinance, um, out of them. So, um, man, it's just super exciting, dude, that, that we've been able to put this together. Cause I've heard about this for, for years. Here we are making it happen. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be great. And, uh, you know, we've had a few, uh, clients in the past that we had done this for with investors and it was really awesome to see the results that came out of it from there. I think I was texting with you a couple weeks ago about the one guy who, you know, bought it for 50, put in 50, it appraised for 137 and it just recently sold for like 250. And yeah, know, that's never, like, 
What's never a bad day? $1,200 a month. Yeah. And he's just like, me too. I look at it like, dang, I should have bought that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I should have kept it. I should have kept that one. Uh, we've all got those should have, could have, would have kept deals. Well, man, I, I hope everybody out there understands. So look, guys, if you're sitting out there and you're going, um, okay, I want to do this Burr method, but I didn't know how to do it. Well, now you know the basics of it, right? If, if you want to go do this, you really have to learn how to market to get deals. You can network, like Mike said, but you've got to understand renovations in order to be able to do this. You really have to know what you're doing um, before you go pull the trigger on something like this. Otherwise, you could end up upside down, you should, in, in which case you could have just gone and bought a brand new property, right? So um, you've got to know that. And then you have to know the right people to be able to get the right loans and and also to be able to, to refinance out of these things at the end of, of, the, of the deal. Um, we've already talked to management ad nauseum here on the show, but... Those three, those three things are really, really critical to, um, to being successful at this. And so go find a team if you want to do this on your own. If you guys want to, anybody out there is interested in doing it with us, um, just reach out to my team, invest at rpcinvest.com, invest at rpcinvest.com, um, and we will we'll connect you with people who can help you. Mike, any final words, man? Yeah, the, I, I would say the biggest thing um, that I would recommend to any new investors especially is, don't get emotional. The second you get emotional, it's game over. Um, you, yep. you may, I mean, you, we see it all the time. People make critical errors when they're emotional. You know, if it's uh, just because you think it's a deal and you're trying to force it and make it work, doesn't mean it is always a deal. And sometimes it's just for the better to walk away. And so that's always my best advice for people who are getting into it. Um, next is get the, get as much education as possible. Um, you know, surround yourself with people like you, you know, people who are out there making things big, making things happen and whatnot too. So that's it. Sweet. That's all I got. Mike, thank you so much for your time, man. And, um, everybody out there, uh, subscribe, share with your friends, especially if you've had a friend who's interested in Burr, make sure you share this episode with them, share your episode all over Facebook and everything else. You guys know the deal. Until next time, everybody, go make some money. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to GetRealEstateSuccess.com.